Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah alladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitaba wa lam yaja'allahu aywaja. Walhamdulillah alladhi lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakun lahu kufuman ahad. Walhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu, nasta'ghfiru, nasta'hdi'u. ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلام عليه عباد الله قال الله تعالى في الكتابه المبين بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم وبعد I want you to imagine that you are with the Prophet that you are in his presence, what would you be feeling in your heart at that time? Now I want you to imagine even further that you're not just in a gathering with other people, you're not just in a circle of 15 or 20 other individuals with the Prophet but it's just the two of you, one-on-one. Now imagine even further that you are the companion of the Prophet physically sharing with him the animal that he was riding on. Meaning that he's the one in front and you are behind him. And your arms are holding on to the Prophet physically to ensure that you don't fall off. How close must this companion have been? This narration is by a young man. His name is Ibn Abbas. And he starts his hadith narration by describing the physical state he was in. He says, Kuntu Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That I was right behind the Prophet sallallahu And we were both riding the animal, the camel or the horse or the mule, whatever it might have been. We were riding an animal together. And the Prophet sallallahu in this position of proximity, of closeness, he turns to me over his shoulder والسلام, and he looks at me Right, as much as you can, and he says these words. Now, in this position, right, when you're so close to somebody, you don't give messages that are general, you don't give things that could be said any other time. When it's just two people in a room or in a car or wherever, and they need to have a meaningful conversation, the substance, the quality of that conversation is very high. You know, you don't turn around and just say something that is just casual. How's the weather? No. 
because this is an opportunity for you to connect one on one. So the Prophet ﷺ says to him, Ya Ghulam, O young man. Ibn Abbas says, At this point in my life, I was about 10 years old, maybe like 11 or 12. So he really was a young man. I see, I look around the room today and I see kids that are probably that age, if not close to that age. And the Prophet ﷺ turns to him and says, Ya Ghulam, inni u'alimuka kalimat. Inni u'alimuka kalimat. That I want to teach you something. I want to share with you something. Now before we get to what the Prophet ﷺ said, there is a huge lesson here already. Number one is that the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us a prerequisite of teaching. Many of us think that we can teach simply because of some status or a biological reality. Like, okay, well, I'm, I'm the father, so I have to teach. Or I'm older, so I have to teach. Or I'm this, or I'm more knowledgeable, so I have to teach. And when I teach, as somebody who's older or your parent or more knowledgeable, then you should listen. But the Prophet ﷺ never, we never have a narration where the Prophet ﷺ just by the mere virtue of the fact of who he was, would go upon somebody and impress upon them that you have to listen to me. The Prophet ﷺ, despite the fact that he was the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, and despite the fact that he could have utilized that logic and that rationale for people to listen to him, he still made the effort to create that connection so that the person didn't feel that they had to listen, rather they wanted to listen. The Prophet ﷺ, he connects with this young man, Ibn Abbas. Imagine, you could be going somewhere, you could be going and running an errand. And you look and you see your children or your son or daughter or whatnot sitting in the living room. It's summer vacation. And you decide to yourself, I have to go and pick up something from the store. I could be quick in and out. But at that moment you think, you know what? If I you know, provide hindrance to myself by inviting my son or daughter to come with me. Maybe as we're strolling the aisles, they'll see something they want and it'll make things go slowly. But maybe by doing this, I will have created a bond, a connection, an opportunity, a small window of time. We're in that drive to and from the store and back. We're going to be able to have a meaningful moment, a conversation where they might open up and ask me something. My kid wants me to spend more time with them, calls me to come look at something they built. And I can easily just say, you know what, it's going to be just like the last thing they built. Can you come and read a bedtime story, Baba? Well, I read to you yesterday. All of these opportunities, the Prophet didn't think that they were burdensome. He saw them as chances to connect. So he's taking Ibn Abbas, عن, on his animal with him. And they're riding. And he creates that emotional connection. And then on top of that, the Prophet ﷺ uses this moment where they're actually even physically connected. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he used to go and he would, when he would talk to young people, he would put his hand on their shoulder even. Right? He would greet them. He would shake their hand, say salam, and he would hold on to their hand. If he wanted to impress something upon them that was very serious, he would take his hand, Aisha and he would put it on their chest. Right? Almost like hold them, like, hey, listen up. He created these moments where the person he was talking to never felt that they were having to listen, that this was imposed upon them, but rather they felt like, this man, sallallahu alayhi wa really cares about me. You know, many of us struggle with trying to get things across to people. We struggle with trying to impress lessons to people, like children or friends or what. 
But we don't necessarily always do the prerequisite work to make sure that my message is landing softly. The Prophet ﷺ, he cultivated the heart of the person before he ever even uttered words to them. So you see this incredible teacher, subhanAllah. He doesn't say, hey, I have to talk to you, get on the animal. <laughs> he says, let's go riding, come on. And then as they're close, and as they're on their journey, and you know kids, they're riding an animal, they think it's the coolest thing in the world. The Prophet ﷺ seizes that moment. He says, Ya Ghulam, right? Doesn't even say something. Ya Ghulam is, is, a, is, is not necessarily a title, but it's almost like a, it's, it's a serious way of addressing a young person. Oh, young man, right? He says, I want to teach you some words. Now, this phrase also has its own meaning before we get to what he's saying. The Prophet ﷺ here doesn't say, hey, you have to listen to me. I have to, you, need, you need to give me 30 minutes, right? I'm about to teach you. I'm the messenger of God. Give me 30 minutes of your time. No, the Prophet ﷺ says, hey, I just have to give you one or two quick things. Literally, he translates as, I want to teach you some words. Just some words. And if you hear the hadith, when you read it or listen to it, you can't but imagine that this conversation didn't take longer than three minutes. Because it's so short. But the Prophet ﷺ had this way, of impressing upon people such depths of meaning in such a short amount of time. Something that we're not used to these days. He never rambled. He never allowed a person who was listening to him to yearn for what? For him to stop talking. In fact, the companions, when the Prophet ﷺ would stop talking, the companions would actually say, Ya Rasulullah, keep going, keep teaching. Like, we want to hear more. And he would say, I can, but I don't want you to tire of my voice. I don't want you to become tired. Right? I'll never forget the times when I talked to, you know, <laughs> children. And as I was speaking to them, right, whether it's in the Sunday school classroom or something, after about 15 minutes, someone raises their hand and I think, oh, good. A good question, here we go. Yes, what's your question? They say, when's lunch? Which is their way of saying what? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> you know? You had 15 minutes like, and honestly, that's, that's pretty generous of a kid. But then we get a little bit upset. We get frustrated. Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you listening? When the question might be, why are you talking so much? Right? The Prophet says, let me just give you some words. Okay? Then the first word he says, the first thing he says is something very profound. Translates literally as to protect, preserve Allah, and He will preserve you. But the power of this word is that we know that Allah Ta'ala is not subject to anyone's protection. He doesn't need anyone's protection. It's not possible to protect Allah. So what does this mean? Well, it's, a, it's an Arabic expression which means to protect your relationship with Allah. To preserve it. To make sure that it's secure. I want you to think about like the most valuable thing that you have. Right? For some people, hopefully, everyone here who's a parent, it's your children. But for some people, they have really valuable things. People, belongings, whatever. You have this almost innate, you know, anxiety. And even, dare I say, a little bit of paranoia, right? Not clinical, but you have a little about what? Their safety. You know, if you want to make sure that your house is safe at night when you go to bed and shaitan whispers that thought into your mind, oh, 
is the garage open? Who goes to sleep after thinking that thought? Is the door locked? Who on earth can fall asleep safely, comfortably knowing that maybe the door's unlocked? When something is valuable, you're like, I'm not going to let anything come near the risk of taking this away from me. And so you get up out of your bed and you go and you check the door and you see that it's locked and you say, why did I do that? Now I have to go restart the whole process. Or you see the garage and it's closed and you say, why did I do that? When things mean something to us, we don't leave it up to chance. The Prophet here is teaching a young boy, 10 years old, that in your life, never leave your iman up to chance. Never leave your relationship with Allah in the zone of danger, of risk. Because you can't always guarantee that you're going to be able to bring it back. You're not going to be able to do that. So he's teaching this young man that if you protect your relationship with Allah, then that will be your primary responsibility in life. We all have goals. We all have aspirations, personal, professional. But the primary aspiration in the life of everybody has to be spiritual. It has to be. Nothing can get in the way of our relationship with Allah. If it does, then we have to reconsider it. We have to think about it. We have to say, you know what? This new job is great. It's everything I hoped for. But Jummah on Fridays, they're saying no. Not possible. Maybe once every couple months. You know what? I have to rethink that. I have to rethink it. This isn't compatible with what I know needs to be protected. My iman. This is, you know, a, a common example that people have. And we have to make sure that we prioritize that. Allah Ta'ala says, when He describes those people who they protect their relationship with Allah, He details what they do. He gives us the secret ingredients. You know, you're eating at a restaurant, it's a delicious dish, and you're like, I wonder how they make this. Allah Ta'ala says that, وَأُزْلِفَتِ الْجَنَّةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ هَذَا مَا تُوْعَدُونَ لِكُلِّ أَوَابٍ حَفِيظٍ he says, on that day, the day of judgment, Jannah will be brought close to all those people. All those people who are entering Jannah, they won't even have to walk towards Jannah. They will already have done every, all the work they needed to do here. So as a result, Allah says, uzlifa." And you learn this from the grammar. You should take Quran intensive, inshallah. It starts this weekend with Ustadh Baylullah. Okay? uzlifa, uzlifa til Jannah. It's brought to them. Like the angels are bringing Jannah to you. Right? You don't have to walk. Right? For the person who was repentant and protectant. So then Allah, it's almost like a colon. Who is Al-Hafid? Who are the Awab al-Hafid? Man Rahmana bil munib. Two things. Number one, they have this awe and fear of Allah, not in front of people, because that's easy. It's easy to do the right thing when people's eyes are on you. When they are by themselves, when they're alone, in the middle of the night, when no one can see them, when no one can hear them, and they know that they have not prayed Isha, they haven't prayed Salat al-Isha, they say to themselves, I have to pray. When they're up in the morning and it's Fajr time and they know that it's time to pray, but they're so tired and they have a long day ahead, and they look around the room and no one's there, they'll say, no one will know that I didn't pray. Right? And then they tell themselves, you know what? Allah is watching me. Man rahmana bil On their phone, on their laptop, whatever it might be, they fear Allah always. And the second part is, munib. 
whenever they do make a mistake, because it's natural, it's human, they always come back to Allah with a repentant heart. You know the crazy thing about mistakes, brothers and sisters, is that everyone makes them. Not a single person can claim to have been a pure, perfect record. There's no, it's not possible. The only difference between people is not who does and doesn't make mistakes, but it, who apologizes for the mistakes they make and who doesn't. That's the distinction. That's the, the delineation in humanity. Who has the courage and the humility to apologize to Allah, to make tawbah? And Allah describes that the person who protects their relationship with Him, they master these two things. They're sincere with Him when they're alone, and they also have no problem coming back to Him with a heart full of repentance when they know that they need to. There's no arrogance, there's no resentment there. We ask Allah to give us this. Okay? Now, the next line that he says, subhanAllah, which is powerful, is he said, Remember, protect your relation with Allah, right? Another benefit, number one is that Allah will always protect you. You remember Allah, Allah will always preserve you. You preserve that relationship, you're not going to have to worry about finding another job if you do the right thing. You're not going to have to worry about this or that if you do the right thing. Allah will always, this is his promise. Then he says a second thing. You also preserve that relationship with Allah to jidhu to jahik. You will always find him with you. And it's true. Human beings, there are times where we feel more distant from Allah than others. We feel that. We feel like we're not as close, we're not as connected. But the reality is that Allah is never deprived of us, but we are deprived of him. So how does that work? Well, as they say, you know, if you feel distant from Allah, you have to ask, who's the one who moved? It's not Allah. Allah is always there. Allah says that. If you come to me walking, I'll come to you with haste. You come to me a hand span, I'll come to you an arm span. Whatever we do to Allah, Allah gives us multiple fold back. So if I feel distant and I feel like, you know what, I just, I don't feel motivated, I don't feel connected, I feel like my du'as are falling flat, I don't feel that iman, then I have to inspect internally what's going on. It's like a person who's driving on a sunny day and they can't see the road because their windshield is filthy. But they're blaming it on the world. Why is the world so dirty? Where did the beautiful road go? No, the road is still there. It's your worldview that's being blocked and obscured by the filth. Allah is always present. His mercy is always available. His blessings, never ending, unstoppable, immutable. But the heart that can recognize Allah is the heart that gets filthy, is the heart that blocks it. And this is what Allah Ta'ala says. أَفَلَمْ يَصِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَتَكُونُوا لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ يَعْقِلُونَ بِهَا أَوْ آذَانٌ يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبَصَارٌ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبٌ أَلَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ Allah says, have you not traveled through the earth and witnessed with your eyes and your ears the wonders of Allah? There are people who look at the sunrise every day and they don't think of Allah. The sunset every day and they don't think of Allah. Even the things that we don't necessarily enjoy. People who feel the heat. I had a friend, subhanAllah, whenever it got hot outside or whenever we touched something that burned us, we would express, oh, that's so hot. You know what he would say? Jahannam's hotter. He was that guy, right? Sometimes you were like, thanks for the reminder. Sometimes you're like, we don't want to hear that, Right? He would say, Hell is hotter, to remind us. So even the things you don't like, you step outside in Dallas, Texas, 
Alhamdulillah, it's 99. It's a cold day today, guys. You step outside and the words I'm hearing used by our friends is what? Feels like an oven, right? And again, this isn't to take us too far away from positivity, but then you have to think to yourself two things. Number one, what on earth must Jahannam feel like? Allah protect us. And then the opposite is, can you imagine the feeling of rest and tranquility when we take those two first steps into Jannah? When you feel that breeze. The dunya will feel like an oven when you enter into Jannah, no matter where you live. San Diego or none. You're going to enter into Jannah, you're going to say the earth was miserable. Right? A dunya sijnul mu'min. It's a prison for the believer. It doesn't matter how beautiful the weather is. It doesn't matter how delicious your food is. When you enter paradise, you're going to say, that place was a dump. Because this place is so much better. We ask Allah to grant us that. So the, the, the obscurity of not being able to witness Allah working in your life does not mean that Allah is not working in your life. It's simply my inability to recognize that. So he tells this to this young man. And then he continues and he says to him, If you find yourself in a position in life where you have to ask, make sure that you ask Allah. And if you seek aid, make sure that you seek aid through Allah. Now we know that the Prophet ﷺ in his life, through his example, that he did things by asking others for help. He sought assistance from others. He sought strategy. He sought you know, economic strategy, war strategy. He went and he asked people for advice. Allah says, Seek counsel from them in all in affairs, right? In matters. So how does this reconcile with this advice? Well, the way that we understand everything is that if I ask someone for help or advice, if my battery dies in the parking lot and I need help, Right? And Brother Imran is there and I say, hey, you, know, you got any jumper cables? And he says, yeah, I got you. While thanking him, in my heart I realize how beautiful was it that Allah supplied me with the aid of Imran. That Allah diverted his path. And as you get older in life, you hear more and more stories and you begin to experience more and more stories where you realize that in the times where you needed Allah the most, he sent somebody. And that person was not even maybe planning on being where you need them to be. But Allah is so powerful and so wise and gentle and compassionate and merciful that He, Azza wa Jal, in His incredible unlimited wisdom will divert somebody to come and to be there for you when you need it. So when you need Allah, ask for Him. And realize that Allah has an unlimited amount of aid and assistance that He can give to you. It's not a matter of him having low supply. You know, we're, we're concerned about, in America now, the supply issues. Allah does not have any supply issues. Right? You need help financially, ask Allah. You need help emotionally. You need help in your family. You need help with your... Ask Allah. And Allah will provide. This is his promise. Then he says what? وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَعُكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُكَ بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَعَلَمْ Then he says وَإِنْ اجْتَمِعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَضُرُّكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَضُرُّكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ رُفِعَةُ الْأَقْلَامُ وَجَفَّةُ الصُّحُفُ He says, and I want you to remember, young man, this is the third part, he teaches him three things. He says, number one, take care of Allah in your life. Never let that go. Number two, when you need him, call upon him. He's always there. Number three, 
if you feel anything in life about needing that assistance and people are gathering to help you and you put all of your hopes and dreams on people or a person, man, I got the best hookup. I'm definitely gonna get the interview. I'm definitely getting the job. I know the VP. Then realize that if Allah did not write that for you to get that job, it doesn't matter if you knew the person who signs the check themselves. That's not for you. Likewise, if you're so afraid, if you're pinned by the anxiety of all the evil that could befall you, and you're looking at it dead in the face, the tiger is clenched and growling right here, an inch away from your face. If Allah did not write for any harm to befall you, then no harm will befall you. And then he finishes Aisatussalam by saying, the pens have been lifted and the pages have dried. I want to reiterate something here that I said in the beginning before I conclude. The Prophet is teaching this to a 10-year-old boy. Many of us are hearing this in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond and we're like, subhanAllah, how true, how amazing are these lessons. He's teaching this to a 10-year-old boy. These are things that are critical for us to remember, not once, not twice, but every day when we wake up. Every day, this reminder, it keeps us going. Number one is Allah's first, always. If something tries to take the spot of Allah in your life, you have to remove it. You have to renegotiate it. You at least have to reevaluate it. The second thing is that you are always, you always have 24-7, 365, you always have Allah on your side. He's available at all times. The question is not his availability. The question is your ability to ask. And the third is that Allah, his plan cannot be outworked or outdone. His strategy is not at the whim of another person, no. You don't have to go to sleep at night worrying about what people are doing or saying or thinking or anything. As long as you have Allah with you, then you know that his plan is what's going to happen. And you just want to stay on the right side of that plan. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us tawfiq. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us all the lessons from this hadith and more. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive our sins. Qulu qulu hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li sa'il muslimin al muslimat fastaghfiru innahu kulaghfur rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya wa al-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. I wanted to conclude the khutbah, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, that this khutbah, the reason why I wanted to, I never want to give khutbah ever, but the reason why I wanted to give khutbah today was because I wanted to talk about the idea of the timeless universals. Things that don't matter if you change place or time. They will always be relevant. Everything the Prophet said in this hadith is as relevant today as it was when he said it to Ibn Abbas 1400 years ago. And this is what it means to leave a legacy. You know, the Prophet could have talked about Middle Eastern economics and socio-political challenges of the time. He could have written thesis statements on this stuff. He was the most intelligent of all creation. But when he's sitting and talking to somebody, he wants to make sure that that person leaves with the things that will stay with them beyond even his own life, When you look at somebody like Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif, may Allah have mercy on him, who passed away suddenly yesterday at the age of 47, 
while he was with his family in Dubai. You may or may not know who he is or what his name is, but all you have to know is that all of the work that you benefit from in the United States of America, in the UK, in the Western world, the weekend seminars, the, 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 the status, the ihsan of delivery, of passion of teaching, the intensives, all the things that even we do here are made part possible by the work that Sheikh Mohammed al-Sharif did. And he passed away at 47. Many of us in this room might be older even than that. And you have to wonder, subhanAllah, about what kind of legacy he must have left. Why? Because Sheikh Mohammed al-Sharif, if there's one lesson that I learned from him in my time knowing him, was that he didn't focus on the incidents of life. He didn't focus on those things that were going to disappear five minutes after people talked about them. He focused on the things that were going to be there beyond even his own life, until the end of time. This hadith is a way in which we can recommit to that. The Prophet ﷺ giving this advice for us is a way for us to refocus. Ask yourself, when I feel upset or petty or backbiting, or, or, or when I feel angry about something, is it something that's going to disappear in just a few moments anyways? Or is it something that I really need to dedicate my energy to? We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people of legacy. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people who focus on the long vision, not the short term. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive us of our sins. We ask Allah Ta'ala to grant cures to those who are sick. We ask Allah Ta'ala to grant forgiveness to those who have passed away. Also one of our community members, Brother Mohsen, uh, and his wife, Saira, uh, her father passed away suddenly uh, in California this week. So we ask Allah Ta'ala to have mercy upon him as well. Obviously, we know about our sister that was brutally murdered in Chicago as a result of domestic violence. We ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive her and to accept her in Jannah. All of those who passed away, even those that I don't know, of course, we ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive everybody. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayuhaladheena amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim fir alameen innaka hamidun majeed. اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون أقيم الصلاة